chill out, what you yelling for? Lay back, it's all been done before. And if you could only let it be, you would see. I like you the way you are when we're driving in your car and you're talking to me one on one, but you become somebody else around everyone else. You're watching your back like you can't relax. You're trying to be cool. You look like a fool to me. Tell me why you have to go and make things so complicated. I see the way you're acting like you're somebody else gets me frustrated. Life's like this. You fall and you crawl and you break and you take what you get and you turn it into honestly. You promised me I'm never gonna find you fake it. No, no, no. <laughs> Every time I listen to this opening song, that your very own, yours truly really sang it like i literally feel like laughing like what the hell am i thinking anyways thank you so much guys for really tuning in this is mo Classo bringing my next episode to you i'm really excited about this episode um excited not because i really have some exciting stuff to really share but some uh a few things you know because it's been it's been a while that i've uh, i'm really been back i don't know um uh but um and i'm going to talk about uh, it's take me to it's supposed to take me two weeks and it takes me a little more than two weeks because it's a bi monthly uh bi weekly i should say right bi monthly uh, it's two times a month so is it uh is it bi bi monthly right bi monthly or bi weekly hey man what the hell all i'm trying to say is this is the just a nobody podcast and you are listening to Mo Classo, who's me, and these episodes really come out two times a month, that is after every two weeks, to put it in words. <laughs> so guys, hope you're doing well. I mean, um, uh, it's been uh, it's been okay for me. I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't say bad. I wouldn't say uh, uh, fantastic. Like, you know, the best, the greatest. No, it's just been okay. Nothing great, really. Uh, anyway, I wanted to share uh, just an update about um, about getting my uh, getting my shots. Like, I literally got my first and my second shot um, of the of the of the vaccine, and I literally cried after getting the first shot. Not because it really pained me. It didn't pain me at all. I hate injections, of course, but it didn't pain me. And i that was not the reason that I literally, you know, kind of, I didn't cry as such, but, you know, there were tears in my eyes uh, uh, thinking about, you know, uh, thinking about, of course, firstly, being really grateful for science, uh, you know, that we, we have a vaccine and now we can kind of go to business as usual and go to our normal work and live a normal life etc so it's really grateful and thankful for getting the vaccine but this uh, but also at the same time worried you know it's worrying me that uh uh 
still we don't we don't really know how many more of these doses everybody's talking about some booster shot or something we've already take, taken two shots and now you take a booster shot and then there's a these variants news of variants the delta uh delta variants and people talking about how dangerous it is and how easily uh, transmissible it is so you know this is like really a worry and that's why there were tears in my eyes when I got my first shot because everything is so uncertain right now we don't know how many more shots how many more booster shots we'll have to take everyone's talking about a booster shot sometime in September like hey man I'm not ready for that I, I hate taking these shots and then we don't even know the origins of this virus like where did it originate from at least if you knew that, maybe, you know, uh, uh, there, is a, there is a way of preventing this from occurring. But there could be a deja vu of the same situation again because we don't know the origins of the, of the, the virus. 3.5 million people dead have died and it has caused so much physical, financial uh, trauma for people all across the world. So I think it's so important to really know where this virus originated from. It started with the bats. It, trans it transmitted from uh, the bat to humans. Uh, but where's the proof, you know, to prove that, really? We don't have no report. There's no evidence. We can't just blame the bats for all our problems, you know? Bats have been, f been there for millions and millions of years. Like, and so long, like, they have never done... I mean, th there, was, there was no one... Uh, there was no such disease and suddenly it just appears. I mean, we need to really know uh, what are the origins of this virus because based on that, we can prepare risk management plan. We can prepare a risk mitigation plan. We can, uh, we can prepare a business continuity plan, which is so important because these plans will identify the risk involved. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll talk, uh, these plans will talk about the assets that will be affected if a pandemic occurs again like who what who wh what is going to be affected businesses economics uh uh people will be affected financially physically mentally uh, it will list down these plans like the these plans will also put down the cost of implementation to control this you know if it occurs again time of implementation of these controls that are being put up everything that the you know we it has to be planned so that we are prepared for the next, next pandemic. And to be prepared for the next pandemic, you need to know the origins of the current virus that has affected all of us. How did it originate? You know, with evidence. And then you prepare these plans and then it is easier, you know, to really manage it if it occurs again, which could be possible. But it should not be done haphazard, you know, uh, because this, this pandemic has really taken a lot from all of us, especially people uh, who don't have anything. It's taken more everything from them, you know, and left people with nothing. So even if a pandemic occurs, we need to have a risk management plan, a risk mitigation plan, a business continuity plan so that, you know, we're able to kind of control this if it happens again. Uh, of, now, uh, like now, it happened for the first time after 100 years, like 100 years. It happened in 1917, what people say, the pa a pandemic-like situation. And uh, of course, we all were told that we need to take, uh, it was a blanket vaccination program, you know, right now. That's what we are living with. 
everybody gets vaccinated, 12 years and above. So that's that's the, that's the agenda right now. But what if scientists, you know, kind of research and find out ways that, you know, we could get tested to find out whether we whether this virus would affect us or not. That's also very, 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 very important. You know, why have everyone take a vaccine? You know, when you can maybe there's a test that, you know, blood test or whatever test that can tell folks like these uh, science can tell uh, whether an individual will be able to fight a disease naturally or whether, you know, they'll have to take a vaccine. And I hope there's something like that uh, if a next pandemic happens, uh, because uh, it'll be so easy to really know whether it's going to affect you and then make a decision whether you need a vaccine or not. Not a blanket, because each one is so different, you know. Each body will be able to fight uh, the virus differently and you never know. So I hope this, you know, I hope, like I really hope that scientists can really find out a test that will tell an individual whether he's susceptible to the virus. Uh, I mean, or he can fight it, uh, you know, or his immune system can fight naturally. So I hope that really comes out because having a blank blanket vaccination drive Every time there's a pandemic, there's a uh, there's a scare like this is crazy. You know, people are already talking about the booster vaccine now in September. So that's going to be the third shot. And you never know how many more. Um, so, um, so all I'm trying to say, all I'm trying to get to is we need to know, just like businesses, you know, what do businesses really do? They have a risk management plan. They have a business continuity plan. They have... Um, uh, they have, uh, they have, you know, they identify their risk and their assets that could be affected by the risk because there could be dangers like the natural disaster, cybersecurity threats, which are so rampant these days. Meat processing plants was a plant was attacked by cybersecurity. The colonial pipeline, which was carrying, which carried, uh, you know, oil across, that was uh, that was affected. So uh, cybersecurity threats are real. And these days, businesses are making these risk management plans um, to handle these threats like cybersecurity, natural disasters, because they are they can they can just happen. And you need to have a plan to be able to identify the risk, you know, identify the controls that you would put in place to be able to tackle these risks, identify the assets like people uh, you know, the uh, the equipments in the organization, etc., that, that that would be affected and try to uh, make these plans well in advance so that, you know, business continues as usual. The continuation of business is as usual. It doesn't affect the mental piece, the, uh, the financial piece, and the the medical, the health piece of an individual. And that's why we got to do the same thing for a pandemic, you know, have a risk management plan in place, have a risk mitigation plan in place, have a business continuity plan in place so that we are prepared well in advance. And to do all this, yes, we need to know the origins of the, of the virus. You can't just say bats and then it's the end of it. Like, hey man, where's the evidence? That's all I'm saying. Uh, right. So uh, when I was taking my shot, you know, many folks, like many of these authorities figures, you know, like uh, 
uh the governing authorities they said that you know we would uh we would be giving given incentives while taking the shot so i was really excited I, at least about that like when i went to take my shot my second shot i thought they would hand me a checklist you know with the list of incentives and ask me to select one that i would need like uh, many people talking about you know you get cash rewards and you could have a lottery uh you could get donuts free donuts free beer free crawfish baseball tickets weed etc so i thought that after my second second shot i would be handed over checklist like the nurse there would hand me a checklist and say okay ma'am uh, you've got it congratulations you know ma'am ma'am congratulations uh, you got your second shot she would applaud and then she would hand me a checklist that's what i assumed you know so after she hands me a checklist she says uh, uh like mal can you just uh, mark what 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 are the incentives that you want from this list of beer crawfish baseball tickets weed guns cash lottery etc and all i had to do is just kind of you know i would select weed because i uh, i wanted one month's uh, stock of weed and i would select that i would give it back to the uh, nurse and then she would hand me a bag of weed because that's what i want among the list of incentives but hey man that didn't happen that really didn't happen and that really upset me maybe that was the second re- the third reason that i really you know had tears in my eyes i wanted i wanted a bag of weed as an incentive because that's what i was reading you know about the different incentives that people that the governing authorities are really giving for people getting vaccinated but you know what i got hey man you know what i got the nurse handed me a do- a $1 discount on some kind of drink cold drink that i don't i didn't want to drink literally a dollar a dollar discount on some drink that i didn't want to drink is that an incentive for god's sake like hey man i wanted a bag of weed for free for one month like a one month stock of weed that's what i wanted to kind of select there was no checklist given to me they just handed me over this $1 discount on some drink i didn't want i didn't use it it's still in my bag somewhere you know like hey man when you promising like you'll owe me now you'll owe me some free uh, weed that's what that's all that i'm trying to say you can't just do whatever you want to do like you know you, you when you promise you keep your promises where is my checklist of incentives and ask me to select one among the uh, from the list this is like you know hey man hey man all right so um oh baby baby oh baby babe how was i supposed to know that something wasn't right here oh baby babe i shouldn't have let you go but now you're out of sight show me how you wanted to be tell me baby cause i need to know now oh, because that was britney spears song <laughs> so um so like everyone's talking about cancel culture huh it's become a big deal like everybody wants to talk about cancel culture like really like 
like really is this something is it is this something really called a cancel culture like or is it all made up because uh, i don't i don't really understand these two words cancel culture like and there are many celebrities and public figures that are using cancel culture and blaming cancel culture for them to lo- of losing friends they're losing social connections they're ju- losing their jobs they're losing their contracts they're losing their platforms and i'm talking about public figures and uh, and uh, public figures and celebrities and all they do is for all this that is happening to them they blame these two words they say it's cancel culture because um you know i just don't understand these two words i don't know how it really came because there was this recent celebrity who comes up and says that it's natural it's human it's human nature you know uh to make mistakes and people change over a period of time so how can how can these people just bring up uh what we said and what we did years ago and kind of cancel us today you know but hey man that's that is human behavior you know there are some people who are oppressed they're treated meanly they 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 they're treated so badly and they're not treated well they are they treat they, you know uh, people have been mean to them but when when it's affecting them at that particular time it becomes so difficult for them to really say it at that particular time because they are in shock they are, you know of this this kind of meanness and this this torture that they're going through so it's after a few years when they come out of it and time passes and time heals etc then they come out and say it out loudly it takes them a few years to kind of talk about their oppressors or or talk about people who've been mean to them or been shitty to them you know it takes time for uh for victims to really speak up and that's why these celebrities and public figures or these people who get pulled up after a few years that's the reason that they get pulled up after so many years is because it takes time for victims to speak up look at britney spears she's been she has been oppressed i mean a powerful figure like britney spears come on you know we are, we have been talking about victims who are nobody who talk who who bring up uh, about the oppression or the the uh, you know the the things that they have really experienced they bring up few years later but look at britney spears she waited 13 years to speak up and that happened yesterday or, or two days back where she uh, she comes in front of the court and she tells the public and the courts that she wants out of the conservatorship after 13 years so it's the same thing and she's a powerful figure she could she could just say one word and the world would know but she didn't do it for 13 years she remained in that thinking things would get better so the same with people who 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 bring up these uh the the attacks that they've come across or the oppression that they've come by someone after a few years because that that it takes time to really you know be able to speak So when celebrities and public figures really say that you know people change good for you you know you've changed good for you but it's human behavior it's not cancel culture for someone to talk against their oppressors that's all that i'm saying it's human behavior for someone to talk about their oppressor what they went through you know because of that one person or because of the group of people it's human behavior it's not cancel culture so it's natural it's human behavior because if someone offends you 
uh, is nasty to you, has done something offensive, is rude, you stay away from that person. You don't want to see that person's face forever. And to feel good, you, you tell your friend, you tell your family. And today with social media, you can tell the entire world what that person did to you. Because that makes you feel good. And I agree with it. It's human behavior. It's human behavior. Thanks to social media. That's why I say the digital platform is a very powerful platform. It's used correctly. So uh, so it's, uh, so when uh, when a person says that they've been oppressed, they've been, you know, they've been mistreated by someone somewhere and they bring it out in the public space, it's human behavior. It's not cancel culture. I don't know what cancel culture is. And if people have read it, you know, it's a domino effect. It's normal. It's natural for someone, for everybody else to also stay away from that oppressor. It's your change. Great for you. You're not happy that you change from uh, from the time of what you did, uh, you know, you the time from the time from, you know, from there when you hurt someone. So it's great that you kind of uh, change. But hey, man, a person who has been oppressed, she or he has a full right to speak up whenever they want, you know, against you, whether it is uh, three years down the line, four years down the line, five years, six years, 13 years, no matter whether you change or not, you got to be you have to expose people, you know, uh, or not even expose people. You're just doing it for your own healing. When you when you say things out, you feel better. And so it's human behavior. It's not cancel culture. You know, people talk about free speech. OK, you know, we have a freedom of speech, but free speech has its limit. I've been saying this forever. Okay, free speech has its limits. You can't shout out fire in a crowded theater. That's so important because you'll create panic, you know. And guess what? I've kind of experienced it. You can be blunt as fuck without hurting offended any offending anyone. You can really be blunt as hell without hurting or offending anyone. It's possible. So uh, what happened to, like, you know, as I was talking about Britney Spears, like she had the guts. After 13 years, she spoke up against her oppressor, who's, who's her family member itself. She comes up in the Los Angeles Superior Court on Wednesday. And she talks about, uh, she talks about everything that the free Britney movement has been talking about for so long. The conservative she was, she was under without control over her life for 13 years. Imagine, she's worked so hard. It's not easy to be Britney Spears. You have to continuously write your songs. You have to continuously sing your songs. You have to continuously go perform, get dressed, work, rehearsals, you know, practice dancing, practice rehearsals, singing. So much work, you know, since she was 16 years old. Imagine, like, her entire life she's put in so much work and then she doesn't get she doesn't she doesn't have control over all the money and her life entirely men no mental peace at all because it's being controlled it's in, it's under conservatorship you know uh so it's it's crazy and it took her 13 years to really speak out because she thought you know things will get better but it didn't and in that uh in that piece i was just listening to when she was talking, uh, when she was talking to the to the judge, and she said that life, uh, her life was being exploited. She can't sleep. She's depressed. 
She cries every day. She wants to have another baby, but it seems they put a birth control device so she doesn't get pregnant inside her body. What the hell, man? Without a permission. Like, you don't want anything inside your body and then you get something inside it. I mean, they just forced you to put something in, inside. The system, uh, she said that the system has too much control. She want, and then she told the judge that she wanted the conservatorship thing to end as soon as possible because she's being taken advantage of uh, and, uh, you know, uh, her and her health and mental peace was under stake. So speak, Brittany, speak. But after 13 years, it just amazes me. And that's why we talk about uh, this cancel culture thing. There's nothing called cancel culture. It's speaking your truth, but you can't speak your truth at that particular time because it has mentally affected you. It takes time for that healing and to really speak up against someone or speak up against a system or speak up about your oppressors. Britney Spears is that example. It's human nature to be angry at your oppressor. Speak out against your oppressor. It's not cancel culture. And she was, um, so uh, I just hope that, you know, uh, the courts really give free Britney from the conservatorship because I believe she needs to get her life back because this is really crazy. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine what she must be going through, really. Just can't imagine. I mean, it's crazy. It's really crazy. That's why I sang that song from Britney Spears because one talented actress, man, I mean, an actress, a singer, a musician, basically. So talented, a global icon, like anywhere in the world, you know? Ask anybody anywhere in the world who Britney Spears is. Like to get that power, it's like Michael Jackson in as a musician. Wow, man, what music. Like, what music, like really. So I hope like Britney Spears has to be free from all the shit that she's going through. And hope it happens really soon. Oh, my loneliness is killing me and I, I must confess, I still believe, still believe when I'm not with you, I lose my mind. Give me a sign, hit me baby one more time and I must confess. That my loneliness is killing me now. Don't you know I still believe that you will be here. So give me a sign. Hit me baby one more time. I love her man. I really love Brittany. One of the best. Anyway, uh, so uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, the critical race theory these days, you know, critical race theory and trying to make a big, make it a big kind of issue. Oh, my God, you know, putting putting titles and names, etc. Critical race theory, um, you know, uh, uh, so many schools are uh, people saying that, you know, uh, or authorities basically saying that it shouldn't be taught. Some people saying it should be taught and why. 
Um, critical race theory, you know, we make a big issue. It's all about, uh, it is important, you know, and not only for kids, K to 12 kids, critical race theory, talking about your about history is so important for everybody all around the world, whether it's K to 12 schools, colleges, universities, and even employees or of the organization. People who are working, working adults also need to be educated uh, on the critical race, race theory. Employees should be taught uh, also critical race theory because it's so important. It's a framework of how racism interacts with current society of politics. That's what it teaches. And it's so important because uh, it, you have to know uh, about the history to be able to improve in the current environment. Uh, schools teach it because it expands history, diversity, anti-racism efforts. It's because of that. These studies teach, teach that racism still influences access to equal justice, education, and healthcare system. The pandemic has really taught us that people of color are affected differently. That racism is a school construct that is embedded in all aspects of our lives, including the legal system and politics, which is so damn true. People of color live a different life than, you know, uh, uh, than the rest. The 30 does not tell people how to think. It just tells you the facts about, you know, what is happening so that you know, children or um, adults or working adults, they can really think about, you know, what really happened. And then why that even 60 years from the civil rights movement, nothing has changed. I mean, of course, there have been changes. We've moved on quite a bit. But, uh, you know, if we've, if it was all over, then we would not have a, a case like George Floyd you know, someone dying under the knee of a uh, knee. No, that would have never happened. The way George Floyd died, that would have never happened if uh, racism never existed, you know. And that's why I think critical race theory is really important. Um, so I don't really understand what is the, uh, you know, uh, what is uh, what is this all about? You know, why is that an issue when you're teaching the history? It's like a history lesson. You know, you talk, you're telling folks about what really happened earlier and everybody should be educated. I'm not talking about kids. You know, of course, we're all talking about kids now, uh, but I think everybody should get educated on that. And not only uh, in one country, but all around the world, you know, Critical race theory doesn't really uh, doesn't really designate one race as an oppressor and the other race as someone who uh, who is oppressed, you know. So it doesn't teach you that. It just tells you facts that you know this is what happened. This is how the system is built. This this is this is uh, this. Uh, it's like history lessons, you know, which we all need to get. And if you were to ask me, like you know, who really should be teaching critical race theories? To folks, I would say Hari Kondabolu, you know, uh, this comedian, like brilliant. I'm going to play a bit from this comedian. I want you all to listen to it. He's brilliant. Like, you know, if I want someone to teach me critical race theory, 
as a kid as uh, as an adult as someone in college in uh, college or a university studying in a college or university i would call upon hari kondabolu to teach us all about it definitely you know because because he really captures the point correctly you know what well, of course with a little comedy it's comedy of course but um, it's brilliant the way he captures it so i'm going to play this bit uh, by hari it's he's a comedian and uh, so we need to look uh, we need to listen to that with, with the lighter attitude but it also captures a few very important you know uh things that we need to really focus on so here it is hari kandabalu i just played for you so they can listen here it is we talk about it after after some time it's new york i'm going thank you <laughs> Whenever I fly home my father will still pick me up at the airport which is really sweet of him. And this happened a couple of years ago. I land at LaGuardia Airport, I get my bags, I'm walking towards the car when this lady I'd never seen before runs in front of me, gets into the back of our car. Now that of course is strange because that's never supposed to happen. So I open the door. I said, "Excuse me, miss." Before I finish, she cuts me off. She says, "Look, I'm sorry, but I got here first. Maybe you should walk a little faster." At this point, it becomes clear that she thinks she's in a cab and my father is a cab driver. Because apparently she's so racist, she looks at the color of the driver before looking at the color of the car. Well, clearly, Clearly he has the markings of the servant class. Drive me. About 5 seconds after I realized what happened, she realized what happened, and I know she realized what happened cuz she scooted over to the left-hand passenger seat, opened the door, and started running. And I was frustrated not only with the situation, but with my reaction to it. I blew an amazing opportunity because what I should have done, so I should have opened that door and I should have said, "Excuse me, miss. You want to split this cab?" Because if we split that cab, all sorts of fascinating possibilities could occur. Fascinating questions, right? Questions like, is it kidnapping? If we take her where she wanted to go, is it ransom if she pays a reasonable fare for such a trip? I hate how immigrants are talked about in this country. I was watching CNN, which was my mistake, and they were interviewing this woman in Arizona who's against immigration, right? And she said, "Look, we're just trying to bring this country back to the way it used to be. The way it used to be. Lady, you're in Arizona. It used to be Mexico." I don't get all the anti-immigrant sentiment in this country because this is a country that says it's the greatest country in the world. We're the best. We're number 1. Then we get upset when people actually show up. But when you advertise something, sometimes people buy it. That's how it works. 
I don't get, I just I hate intolerance. I don't know why we're talking about tolerance to begin with. It's 2014. We should be at acceptance and love. What's this tolerance business? Like, what do you tolerate? Back pain? <laughs> I've been tolerating back pain and the gay Latino at work. <laughs> it's a low bar for humanity, is all I'm saying. But the country's changing and people are freaking out about it. And I know they're freaking out because I keep hearing about the year 2042 on the news. For those of you who don't know, 2042, according to census figures, is the year when white people will be the minority in this country. They'll be 49% and white people are freaking out about it. Don't freak out, white people. You were the minority when you came to this country. Things seem to have worked out for you. But here's the bigger point. Here's the more important point. 49% white doesn't make you the minority. That's not how math works. 49% white is only the minority if you think the other 51% is exactly the same. Well, it's 49% white people and 51% you people. That's, that's the only way that works. Because that 51% is not a united front. And it's easy to figure this out. Just ask a black guy and a Korean guy what happens when the black guy walks into the Korean guy's store. That interaction might not be pleasant. It might not be like, hey, teammate. How's it going, teammate? Pretty excited, you. 2042, am I right? That's probably not what's happening there. There's some historic tension. Some of you might be thinking, well, hurry, you're saying that 51% is not exactly the same, but you're assuming that all white people are the same. Yes. No. No. I'm joking, right? Because white isn't a thing. Race isn't a thing. It's a social construct. It's a way to divide us. It's not real. And for the minorities in this room, you know this is true, right? Because when you ask your white friends what their cultural heritage is, they never just say white. They give you a math equation. I'm a third German, and a fourth Irish, and one sixteenth Welsh, and one fortieth Native American for college applications. Damn, Steve, all these years I thought you were just white. Thank you very much. Wow, brilliant. I love this guy. My a new comedian. I'm kind of he's not he's not new, he's been there for a long time, and I've been checking his work quite often. But uh, this is brilliant. Like he could be a critical race uh, theory, the CRT theory uh, professor, you know, schools, colleges, universities, and even, you know, and organizations, all you can just call him and he would just give it and he would make you laugh. You know, what else? What else do you want? Really? Brilliant. I really love that guy. I mean, and uh, especially, you know, uh, the the way he delivered this uh, the stand-up bit. Really loved it. All right. So um, so I wanted to kind of... Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so this is like... Uh, it's the Pride Month. Uh, it's this month, June. The month of June where we celebrate the LGBTQ community, which is so great because it's a promotion of self-affirmation dignity, equality, and the discrimination against the LGBT community. So it's so great that, you know, we just have a month entirely dedicated to them uh, where we can really focus on, um, the vis you know, make them more, more visible. And uh, it 
uh, because uh, because the LGBT community, you know, it's because of the few people who really have the guts to come out and live freely and authentically like the way they want. It's because of them that we have this uh, whole Pride Month even existing today, you know, because of the guts of, the, of a few at the beginning. Like Stonewall Inn in New York City was raided by police by the police several times because it was known to be a popular gathering place for the LGBT community. And uh, this was like uh, sometime in 1969, uh, where, you know, LGBT patrons, a few of them, they really, uh, you know, who really visited these, they came out in protest. So it's because of these pe few people who really had the guts to come out and protest uh, the way they, be, they had been treated sometime in 1969, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, more people are really coming out and living the way they want to live more openly more freely the more people are coming out and i hope someday you know uh, they don't no one really has to come out or there's no kind of thing where you know people have have to come out it's just going to be normal like another day you know so happy pride month uh this month and uh because um because everybody has a right to way, uh, live the way they want to live you know that's 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 the bottom line that I want to really get to, which is so cool, you know. Um, uh, talking about uh, talking about uh, uh, this, what is it called? I was talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know whether how many of you really catch up with sports, etc. But um, I've been watching, uh, you know, Naomi Osaka for some time now, and I find that girl really very brave, you know, like. Uh, like, you know, you need guts to do something. Like I was talking about the Pride Month and you had uh, a few folks really had the guts to come out and kind of identify, uh, you know, come out and live freely the way they want to live as gays, lesbians, transgenders, uh, like the way they want to live, they came out because of a few people of, uh, of, you know, of the courage that some people really had. So I uh, I watch a lot of tennis. Like if there if there are, if there's a match going on, like uh, and if there are some my, some of people I really follow, uh, really playing in the match, uh, these matches I really watch it. So I was very you know when French the French Open was happening, I was uh, I was watching for Osaka Naomi Osaka, and I was also uh, looking at Rafa Rafael Nadal, and I wanted these two to win. But what happened with Naomi Osaka was so horrible, you know. Uh, I love the French Open uh, tennis. I really like it. But the way she was treated by management where, you know, as per her contract, she was supposed to, and obligated to do media interviews for after every match. Now, she's uh, she's number two, you know, in the uh, in the ranking. Uh, so... Uh, so she was obligated as per contract to give an interview after every match. And this girl, Naomi Osaka, she cited mental uh, mental health issues. Uh, she said that she had suffered depression since the U.S. Open in 2018 and had real, and was really finding really hard to cope with it, you know, because she's introverted. That's what she says. She's not a natural public speaker. Uh, and had huge waves, waves of anxiety, you know, before speaking to the world's media, because, you know, that's what they do. They put the mics in front of you. And then uh, as per contract, she had to kind of uh, speak to them after every match. And she felt vulnerable when that happened. So she, she decided that she wrote a letter to the French open management that she does not want to do these um, 
these interviews and to that uh, you know anybody else actually are really glad to give their interviews because they become more famous they become more well known etc uh, but this girl you know she just she just wanted to play the game and that's it doesn't want didn't want to speak to the media etc so because she broke the contract that says that you have to give an interview to the to the media after every match she was charged $15,000 as um as this what is it called a fine you know for not giving those interviews and then she was also continuously threatened by the french open management you know that uh that you have to do it you know uh no matter what uh so uh so Naomi Osaka because of that she just kind of pulled out and that was got she withdrew from the French Open because of this torture and harassment you know she didn't want to get get into she didn't want to do the interviews and if you don't want to do it you just don't want to do it you know you're coming to play a game there uh so uh she just withdrew from the entire French Open 2021 which was like mind blowing for a 23 year old girl to do that you know that's really maturity to be able to uh, do that and also when you're on the top of your game and you just kind of drop out uh, because these guys are just forcing you to do something that you don't want to do man that's that's someone who really is gutsy and standing her ground you know uh like i just remembered you know anthony hopkins uh, uh there was an interview that he gave uh, to interview magazine and uh, in that interview you know uh I think Brad Pitt was interviewing him in that and uh, Brad Pitt asked him of how you really manage you know all this uh, life is life is very difficult you know so he says that you know uh, in that interview I was just reading he says that I once asked a Jesuit priest what is the shortest prayer in the world he said fuck it it's a prayer of release just say fuck it none of it is important the important thing is to enjoy life as it is your life today is simply fantastic that's what he really said in the interview and then i thought of you know naomi osaka that's what she did you know she just said fuck it and she moved on she dropped out of that french open because she was she was mentally being tortured you know you you take $15000 as fine because she doesn't want to speak to the media what the hell because the contract says that but what about her mental health issue she's not confident she doesn't want to she doesn't want to face the media you know and then uh so then i came across uh, this video you know uh by um an nfl player marshawn lynch this was years back you know where i think every sports person is bound by a contract where they have to give interviews to the media after every match or after every game and uh, there was this marshawn lynch an nfl player who uh, in his interview was hilarious you know this guy he just starts in the interview in front of all the media guys that no matter what questions you ask me guys uh all i'm going to say is that i'm just here so i won't get fined so no matter any question that you know was thrown to him like there was media all around him like i was watching the video and it's crazy mics you know surrounding him but anything that those guys asked him all he responded by saying is uh i'm just here so i don't get fined i won't get fined you know and then naomi osaka was fined but still she was threatened continuously even after paying the fine like uh you know uh, uh i admire the guts of hers but i want to play uh, this bit by marshawn lynch who was an nfl player and uh, the way he was tackling the media after one of the games 
by just saying one line to every question that he was asked. So I'm just playing this bit. It's really hilarious. And I wish Naomi Osaka could do this, you know. But I believe she's introvert. She's an introvert. And it's really hard for an introvert to really, you know, act like this. You know, you're re- it's... Uh, it's really difficult, but I I wish you know she could do something like that, throw off something like that. So here's Marshawn Lynch uh, after an NFL game speaking to the media, and all he said, uh, all the answers that he gave to all the questions that he was asked was, "I'm just here so I don't get fined." Listen up, here it is. Start. Hey, I'm just here to, so I don't get fined. So y'all can sit here and ask me all the questions y'all want to. I'm going to answer with the same answer. So. Y'all can shoot if y'all please. I'm here so I won't get fined. 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 I'm just here so I won't get fined. Okay, that's all that. I think it just goes for about two two minutes and I don't want to play all of that. But all I want to show you is the cool and the calmness. You know, each reporter out there, each media person out there was really asking him one question like, you know, uh, things like, you know, how was this match? How was this game? And what did you do, etc. To every question that he was asked, all he said was, I'm just here so I don't get fined. So, you know, we talked about cancel culture and how celebrities and public figures are really talking against it. But there are a number of celebrities and public figures who have to do stuff that they don't want to do. You know, they become they become victims as well, you know, with uh, with these uh, with this popular culture, because uh, like, you know, I was I was thinking of uh, Dave Chappelle, like the guy, he was so famous. He was in his prime. He had the Dave Chappelle show, which is a comedy show. You know, he had he had a 50 million dollar contract in his hands, you know, uh, but uh, he, he kept saying that it was he had a crisis of consciousness, you know, uh, because um, he didn't want to be caught in the trap of money. Like, you know, you can keep making money. He had $15 million, $15 million contract, but he left that contract because he was not happy. He thought, he, he felt that, you know, the system was just exploiting him. That's what happened to Britney Spears, you know, as we have seen. What happened to Naomi Osaka, when she didn't want to do something, you can't force someone to do something, you know. It's it's against any kind of contracts that these people are really talking about. Um so uh, the th- same thing Dave Chappelle did. He left $50 million contract at his prime, doing really well in the comedy space when he was in the biggest, the limelight. 
he left the contract and left the country altogether because he felt he was exploited by the system. Uh, he felt that, you know, uh, these, um, these people, they sucked his talent and they became richer. So, uh, and then he gives this uh, good, uh, you know, he gives a good example, an analogy of a Bushman and a baboon. But he talks about how, you know, he talks, he talks wisdom, really. He talks about um, how, uh, you know, uh, about an incident of how Bushmans, they really trap baboons by, uh, by giving them salt, because it seems baboons really love salt. And all the baboons need to do is just kind of let go of that salt for them to be free, but they don't let go, you know. So that's uh, that's an analogy to life, you know. We shouldn't allow mon money to control us. That's what he was uh, saying in this interview with Opera. I believe, no, with somebody. I was giving an interview to somebody. And he said that we need to let go of the salt sometimes, of this money sometimes, you know, which we get trapped in. And then uh, listen to a conscious, conscience, you know, that's what he says. Um, and uh, maybe I'll play that bit and then... Um, we just wind up uh, this episode. So that's, this is Dave Chappelle explaining about the baboon and the Bushman, the analogy about life. And I think it's really very inspiring. And that's why I want to share this with you. So here he is, uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, in, this, uh, in, this, in this interview. Here it is. Well, it's bigger than money. But you know what? I, I watched one of these nature shows one time, and they were talking about how a Bushman finds water when it's scarce. And they do what's called a salt trap. I, I, I didn't know this. Apparently, baboons love salt. Okay. So they put a lump of salt in a hole, and they wait for the baboon. The baboon comes, sticks his hand in the hole, grabs the salt. Salt makes his hand bigger, and he's trapped. He can't get his hand out. Now, if he's smart, all he does is let go of the salt. Baboon doesn't want to let go of the salt. Then the bushman just comes, takes the baboon, throws him in the cage, and gives him all the salt he wants. And then the baboon gets thirsty. The bushman lets him out of the cage. The first place the baboon runs to is water. The bushman follows him, and they both drink to their fill. And in that analogy, I felt like the baboon. But I was smart enough to let go of the salt. Isn't that a great wow, analogy? Wow, what a great analogy, really. That is a brilliant analogy about life, you know. We just need to know when to let go of that salt, of that money, of that trap, you know, that we get in get into and listen to a conscience sometimes uh so with that uh maybe that's all that i had for this week uh really to talk about i hope i didn't uh talk too much you know <laughs> anyways uh guys if you want to write to me please write to me at just nobody podcast at gmail.com that's my email address uh, you can also DM me on Twitter because I do check my DMs uh, sometimes. You can uh, write to me there. And um, uh, uh, so that's another option. And thank you guys for listening. I've been watching you that you have been downloading and listening to this this episode. And I really thank you for that. But because because it's not really easy, at least I can't just hit the play button for no reason at all. I need a reason to be able to hit the play button uh, on anybody's podcast, a radio show, a television show, etc. I need a reason to do that. And I really want to thank you for really hitting that play button listening uh, 
to my episodes. So that's all that I had for this week, guys. Uh, and maybe I'll just leave you with this song because I'm so happy Britney Spears really spoke up. Because, you know, I've been talking about the Free Britney movement. I've been sp- speaking about, you know, uh, the documentary that came about uh, Framing Britney. And, uh, but, you know, I was always wondering that why is she not saying anything, you know? Like, people all over the world, you know, uh, saying Free Britney. And they, there was a documentary that kind of uh, talked about framing Britney, etc. But she was not speaking. And finally, she spoke. And I'm really happy about that. Because it took her 13 years to come out and speak up. But... Finally, she's done it and I hope she gets free, you know, from the conservatorship and the way she's been treated and such a powerful figure being treated so badly. Uh, so, you know, on that good note, I'm going to play a little bit of uh, Britney's uh, song and then uh, I'll be back on the other side of the song to say goodbye. Just love Britney Spears always. I mean, she's given me so much, you know. Like this girl, I've been listening to her for so long. I just love it. I love her. Anyways, uh, that's all for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, baby. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs>